Just a minute. I'm coming. FBI, open up! Just a minute. Hello, everybody. This is Legal Man. Welcome to the show. It's going to be a good episode. I continue Spooner's essay, fantastic essay, A Letter to Grover Cleveland. We're talking about so-called sovereignty and tons of the quotes in there. And people think it's a sovereign government because they're told it all the time and repeated. It's just no different than any other kind of brainwashing, trust the science, and therefore they believe it. But there's no truth to it, and it's just completely absurd. And the things that have come as a result of that are really horribly tyrannical. And constitutional conservatives never discuss this stuff. And for people who don't know me, I'm a lawyer, practiced for more than 30 years. I'm America's most trusted and beloved lawyer because I tell them the truth. And the truth is I was a constitutional conservative for years and years and years, believed all the same stupid crap about the sovereignty and every other nonsense, saving the republic and protecting the rights and brilliance of the document, until about 25 years ago when I got the internet. And then in fairly short order, I started figuring out that it was all a con. Scam, a grift, to keep you on a tax-paying plantation that nothing the constitutional conservatives said was true. That's all. And the people who want freedom are all tricked by them. And when I figured that out, I became self-certified as a master practitioner. And I don't need constitutional conservatives anymore. I've also given myself a Lifetime Achievement Award for the fantastic work I've done on this podcast. And since the movie's come out, Jones Plantation, where I play Mr. Jones, I've awarded myself the Presidential Medal of Freedom Award, which is the highest award that any civilian can bestow upon themselves. And I definitely earned that for the fantastic job I did in that movie. (laughs) I like having fake awards and these fake credential things because credentialing is how they keep people inside the Overton window. You're not an expert. And if you're not an expert, then you can't have a valid opinion. And the people who are so-called experts are just people who regurgitate the made-up state horseshit, state-sponsored nonsense that's necessary in order to be licensed and approved to get PhDs, etc., etc. So it's a fantastic way to control the minds of the people. So I like to make fun of it so it reminds people. I'll probably give myself some other awards as well in the future. Okay, let's go ahead and get the show going. So I'm going to continue Spooner. His letter to Grover Cleveland, a essay he wrote when he was about 80. It was pretty much the last essay he wrote, and it is an absolutely fantastic essay. It's got so many great parts to it. And we're way into it, but there's still tons of great stuff left on it. This was an essay that he wrote after reading the inauguration of Grover Cleveland in like either 1878 or 18, I don't know exactly when it was, but it was right around then. And he was so pissed off at the absolute laughable lies and absurdities that the man was spewing about freedom and justice that he went off on this tirade that turned into one of the greatest essays in American history. At least in my opinion, I don't see how anybody can read it and come to any other conclusion. It's truly a fantastic piece about freedom. And if people understood freedom and were exposed to Spooner's works, we would not have this kind of problems we do in this country. And the reason people are never told about Spooner is precisely because if they knew about Spooner and his thinking and his reasoning, they would never be snowed by the constitutional conservative grifters who keep everybody on the plantation paying their taxes, and believing that they're somehow fighting for freedom. 
Now, the area we're in, for the most part, has been about these legal tender laws. I've done the cases before. I've done all sorts of coverage of legal tender. Legal tender is a fantastically important topic that is never discussed. Constitutional conservatives don't even talk about the Federal Reserve being unconstitutional and a joke, let alone do they do legal tender laws. And legal tender laws are the laws that make it such that you must take this garbage, this made-up paper fakery, as currency in exchange for things of value, your actual time, your effort, your knowledge, your wisdom, your property, your land. Go down the list. When a government can make you take this made-up crap, which in our country ultimately is controlled and dominated by private banks, when they can make you take garbage that absolutely has no value, no real actual tangible value, then they can take everything you have because it costs them nothing to print the dollars up, and then you have to give them your time, labor, effort, and property, in effect, for free. And this is why the topic's never covered, because it really is the heart of the beast that has enabled these scammers to get control of pretty much everything in the world over the last hundred years, under which the Federal Reserve has been operating, and then the Bank of International Settlements, which was also this international version of it that basically controls all over the entire globe. And the vast majority of the so-called standard of living in the United States is the result of this fakery and the fact that we have a giant military that makes everybody take it. It's not our fantastic production and incredible ingenuity and all the other lies that people are told. This is at the base of it. And in fact, the entire country was collapsing, and that's why they had to take it off the gold standard entirely, because they were living so far beyond their means. Back way, way, way back in the 60s, it was already breaking. And since then, in the last 50-something years or so, since they took us completely off the gold standard in 73, so basically exactly 50 years, it has been absolutely swinging free with absolutely nothing tethering it to reality, and it's just become an insane system where they have literally bought up everything, every academic institution, every business, every thought leadership, all the different funds and trusts. Everything's completely fake now with literally hundreds of trillions of dollars in so-called unfunded liabilities and debt just in this country, which doesn't exist, never has existed. Nobody lent them the money. simply doesn't exist. And this is why it's all so screwed up. We're in a great part of the essay, and I've been really trying to decide how to do sort of some parts of this essay, and I've taken some side trips and everything else. And I'm going to do this portion on sovereignty, at least parts of it, and then at some point, maybe the next episode, I'm going to read a significant amount of the dissent in one of these legal tender cases, because I think it's very important. Because lawyers are completely brainwashed. They're brainwashed about the way the law works. They're brainwashed in law school. Uh, the entire system runs on this nonsense that you examine what the Supreme Court has said, and that's considered to be so-called constitutional law, just examining what a couple of these jokers say. And there's nothing about that. There's nothing in the Constitution that says that. Article 3 doesn't say that. None of it's true. And so let's pick it up and see how far we can get today because there's so much stuff in here about sovereignty. It's such an important point. And I'm going to read the last single sentence, which is about two paragraphs long, (laughs) before we start section 23 in the essay, which is where we will begin today. 
When the Supreme Court of the United States, assuming to be an oracle, empowered to define authoritatively the legal rights of every human being in the country, declares that Congress has a constitutional power to prohibit the use of all that immense mass of money capital in the shape of promissory notes, which the real property of the country is capable of supplying and sustaining, and which is sufficient to give to every laboring person, man or woman, the means of independence and wealth when that court says that Congress has power to prohibit the use of all this money, capital, and grant to a few men a monopoly of money that shall condemn the great body of wealth producers to a hopeless poverty, dependence and servitude, and when the court has the audacity to make these declarations on such nakedly false and senseless grounds as those that have now been stated, it is clearly time for the people of this country to inquire what constitutions and governments are good for, and whether they, the people, have any right as human beings to live for themselves or only for a few conspirators, swindlers, usurpers, robbers, and tyrants who employ lawmakers, judges, etc. to do their villainous work upon their fellow man. <laughs> uh, God, Spooner hates government as much as I do. This is why I love Spooner. That's the sort of background, uh, at least to catch you up, before we start Section 23. So let's start Section 23. If anything could add to the disgust and detestation which the monstrous falsifications of the Constitution already described should excite towards the court that resorts to them, it would be the fact that the court, not content with falsifying to the utmost the Constitution itself, goes outside of the Constitution, the tyrannical practices of what it calls the sovereign governments of other civilized nations to justify the same practices by our own. And this is the part I'm talking about, and I've brought it up many times to people that we hear all the time about how our governments are sovereign this and sovereign immunity that. Um, absolutely nothing about our government makes it into a so-called sovereign government. It's a complete contradiction of terms to say that we, the people, are in charge and the, the government works for us and blah, blah, and then the claim that the government's sovereign. It makes absolutely no sense. And, of course, sovereign immunity is something that the court just dreamed up using this exact same kind of argument that you're going to hear in this case, in this section about sovereignty. The First Amendment itself said that the people's right to a redress of grievances shall not be infringed. That's in the First Amendment. People don't know that because it's never discussed because the court has completely and totally written it out. The court just dreamed up this idea that you can't sue the government. You can't sue the government unless the government allows you to. The government has to permit it. Where'd they find that? Where'd they find that in the Constitution? <laughs> nowhere. It's nowhere in the Constitution. The First Amendment makes it clear that's not the law. But the court says it and that's it. And so... You can't sue the government unless it lets you, because you couldn't sue the king in the past. He was sovereign. That meant he ruled over you. Nothing about our government is a sovereign government. It's completely nonsensical. Government's supposed to be there to serve the people. In the old time, the people were there to serve the sovereign, who ruled through the so-called will of God. And the court just dreams this shit up and has absolutely nowhere it can point to in the Constitution or any discussion of the so-called holy Hamilton's notes, the Federalist Papers, or anything else discussing any of this crap they dream up. So let's continue. It, meaning the Supreme Court, asserts over and over the idea that our government is a sovereign government, that it has the same rights of sovereignty as the governments of every other civilized nation, especially those in Europe. 
What then is a sovereign government? It is a government that is sovereign over all the natural rights of the people. That is the only sovereignty that any government can be said to have. Under it, the people have no rights. They are simply subjects, that is, slaves. They have but one law and one duty, which is obedience, submission. They are not recognized as having any rights. This is so important. This is the reality that's completely brushed over. And how is it brushed over? Is it mentioned in the Constitution? No. How does it happen? It happens through this phony baloney Constitution horseshit that the court dreams up. It just makes a statement, gets a few other people to agree to it, and that's it. And it doesn't even matter if a bunch of people disagree on the court. As long as they've cobbled together a majority, that's it. Well, where does it say in the Constitution that the court, Supreme Court, can rule in any kind of manner that's not unanimous? Where does it say that? It doesn't. So why do they assume they have that authority to issue constitutional law that's not unanimous from the court? It's all idiotic. See, there's not one part of this is true, and lawyers are not taught any of this. They have to kind of come up to it themselves, and there's absolutely no reason to come to it themselves because they make money by going inside the system and just using the faked-up rules. <laughs> so they're never, ever, ever going to come to the conclusions, the obvious conclusions that are here that I explain to people. And so people believe that what I do, I don't know what I'm talking about because I need to go read the so-called Supreme Court opinions and what people have said about it. And they're just so brainwashed they can't see it. Let's continue. They're not recognized as having any rights. They can claim nothing as their own. They can only accept what the government chooses to give them. The government owns them and their property and disposes of them and their property at its pleasure or discretion without regard to any consent or dissent on their part. And see, that is the situation we have. I've explained it over and over. You have absolutely no right to consent or dissent from our government. That's it. You have to do it. The Civil War settled all of that. And if you don't think they can just do any of these things, well, just look at the tax code. They make it very clear that they pretend to have the authority that was given to them, allegedly, to simply take anything they want from me or you and give it to anybody they want for any purpose, in any amount. Run up in as much debt as they want, hand out $100 billion to their Zelensky buddy to cover up all their fraud and corruption. See, that's what they have. All the discussions about protections and rights and liberties, they don't actually work in reality. They're just empty words, just like saving the republic. All right, getting back to the Constitution. There's no actually doing any of that because it's not actually true. But the people are so confused they can't see it. Let's continue. Such was the sovereignty claimed and exercised by the governments of those so-called civilized nations of Europe that were in power in 1787, 88, and 89 when our Constitution was framed and adopted and the government put an operation under it. And the court now says, virtually, that the Constitution intended to give to our government the same sovereignty over the natural rights of the people that those governments had. <laughs> this is just an absurd implied power that's not there. Our government is supposedly a government of express limited powers. It have to be able to look in the Constitution and see where they say they were given the power. If they aren't given the power, they don't have the power. That is a basic construction of our supposed document. But what do they do? The court constantly finds these massive implied powers, like to conscript people into the army. Now here, this one, to be sovereign, to issue legal tender. All these things are just dreamed up. 
There's absolutely no basis in the Constitution, and you can see why when you read their actual opinions where they discuss all this other shit and they just twist it. They basically just say up is down. And because they've said up is down, well, then up is down. <laughs> that it is. Why? Because the Supreme Court said it. It's just the holy constitutional law. I've told people again and again about the case I had where I got screwed just by tens of millions of dollars in my fees that I was owed from a clear-cut case, and the court simply ruled that one or more means more than one. And, of course, anybody who understands English knows that one or more does not mean more than one. It means one or more than one. That's what it means, one or more. That's what it means. And yet the court held that one or more in this situation— means more than one, because if they had held that it meant what it actually said, well, then the company we were suing would have been completely destroyed and would have owed hundreds and hundreds of millions of dollars in fines and penalties. And since that was unacceptable in the crooked court system, the court simply ruled that one or more means more than one. And this is the same kind of thing with this sovereignty. It's just a made-up thing. See? It's just made up. Let's continue. But how did the civilized governments of Europe become possessed of such sovereignty? Had the people ever granted it to them? Not at all. The governments spurned the idea that they were dependent on the will of the consent of the people for their political power. On the contrary, they claimed to have derived it from the only source from which such sovereignty could have been derived. That is, from God himself. And this is the great trick that is constantly pulled by constitutional conservatives. They say that the government works for us, and then they have all these absurd, contradictory inconsistencies with regards to what they claim the Constitution does. And they can't find any actual authority granted to the people in the Constitution. They can't find anything discussing the idea that the people ever would do it or why they ever would do it or how they did it. But they claim it exists, and they just ignore it. And just like the press secretary at the White House, when she's asked a question she doesn't like, she just doesn't answer it and just ignores it and moves on. The same thing with the Supreme Court. They just dream shit up, and even though it makes no sense, there's nobody there to correct their paper, and therefore it becomes so-called law. And the very idea that any individual free people would ever do such a thing and give a power like that to a star chamber is preposterous. And they don't give it to them. And there's nothing in the Constitution that does make the Supreme Court's opinions the law of the land. But because we're told they are and we pretend they are, and the government enforces it as though they are, and if you try to vote to leave like the South did, they just come down and kill you and burn you out and then force you back in. And then the constitutional conservatives, who are all the Republicans, who did all this shit in the Civil War, run around and tell you how they're for freedom. And the people are so confused, and the lawyers are so confused in law school, nobody can figure it out. But it's all right there, and it was known for decades and decades and decades. And in fact, when I read the dissent from part of that Juilliard case, which was one of the legal tender cases, which, like I said, I'll probably do next time, maybe the time after, I'm not sure. Haven't quite figured out the best way to present that. You'll see that it was well known that they didn't have the right, these legal tender authority. There was no such thing and that the history of the Constitution is very clear, and that the words that the Supreme Court has written down in their so-called legal tender cases are just complete and total distortions. They're just like saying that the 2020 election was the most safe and secure election of all times. It's just made up. It's like saying weapons of mass destruction. It's just a lie. They know it's a lie. It doesn't matter. It's like saying that Joe Biden never had any discussions with his son about his business dealings. It's just an outright lie, but does it make any difference? No, because the government men with the guns who run around and imagine they're heroes enforce this 
tyranny on the people, and the people are told they're free, and they're so confused they can't sort it out. <laughs> That's all it is. And people just cannot come to that. They just simply can't. They can't accept that the world is so totally upside down. But it just so obviously is. Let's continue. In 1787, 88, and 89, all the great governments of Europe except England claimed to exist by what was called divine right. That is, they claimed to have received authority from God himself to rule over their people. And they taught, and a servile and corrupt priesthood taught, that it was a religious duty of the people to obey them. And they kept great standing armies and hordes of pimps, spies, and ruffians to keep the people in subjugation. And this is something that actually a lot of Christians do all the time. You tell them, you don't have to beg these ridiculous governments, or render under Caesar. They always cite that same line. They just completely and totally distort that line and what it means and everything else. But this is the facts that the kings and stuff, they didn't listen to the people. They were peasants. They didn't care. <laughs> they did whatever they wanted. And now our people imagine we had this revolution and now we don't do that. But they just turned around and put everybody right back in the chains. And you can look around and see that whatever the so-called government claims you must do, regardless of the fact there's nothing in the Constitution saying they can do it. Well, if you don't do it, they just come kill you, arrest you, put you in a cage, take you in front of one of their rigged up corrupt judges, give you so-called due process. <laughs> it's all 100% controlled by the exact same corrupt individuals. It's so silly. Continue. And when, soon afterwards, the revolutionists of France dethroned the king, then existing, the legitimist king, so-called, and asserted the right of the people to choose their own government, these other governments carried on a 20 years war against her to reestablish the principle of sovereignty by divine right. And in this war, the government of England, although not itself claiming to exist by divine right, but really existing by brute force, furnished men and money without limit to reestablish that principle in France and to maintain it wherever else in Europe it was endangered by the idea of popular rights. <laughs> it's undeniable. That's what happened. But the way that they teach history is so screwed up because these Ferengis with this fake money system have bought it all through years and years, decades and decades and decades of printing this fake money up and buying all the schools and foundations and establishing chairs. And now they run all these fake businesses and they bought all the politicians and the historians and the judges. The people don't have any idea what's going on anymore. That's all. They don't. They're completely confused in the fake history as though Lincoln was somehow fighting to free the slaves. Anybody who's listened to my show knows that's just not true. I've read his first inaugural address. Anybody can go read it and see it's not true. Anybody can see that you can't fight a war to hold a voluntary union together, that your vote can't matter if the people vote to leave, peacefully leave, and leave to start their own thing. They don't try to take your country over. They just say, fine, do what you want. We're going to leave and start our own. If the government won't allow that to happen, which it wouldn't in the so-called Civil War, they went down and killed them and said they weren't allowed to leave. You don't have the consent of the people. This is not a free country. The people aren't in charge. You live under their thumb, period. But the people can't see it. Let's continue. The principle, then, of sovereignty by divine right, sustained by brute force, was the principle on which the governments of Europe then rested. And most of them rest on that principle today. And now the Supreme Court of the United States virtually says that our Constitution intended to give to our government the same sovereignty, the same absolutism, the same supremacy over all the natural rights of the people as was claimed and exercised by those divine right governments of Europe a hundred years ago. There's no way to get around that. 
If they can tax you at any rate they care to and spend it on anything they want without your consent, what do you call that? They can tell you how much water can flush in your toilet. Just because you're told you're free over and over again, it doesn't make you free. That's why that Jones Plantation movie that's out now is so good. I'm so happy to have been a part of it. It really explains it. Just because you get to choose your master doesn't mean you're free. <laughs> Everything stays the same. They just change the words and brainwash people about the fantastic freedom machine here. But there is no freedom machine here. Hi, it's Legal Man. I hope you're enjoying the show. If you appreciate the unique insight and information I provide, then go over to my Patreon account for The Quash and become a member. I have bonus shows and material, early access, and it's a good place to meet like-minded people. I have people ask me all the time, what can we do, legal men? <laughs> well, start by voting with your pocketbook. It's the only vote that really counts. Support things that tell people the truth. Getting people to understand the truth is the only solution we have to this insanity. Look, I get it. There are a lot of people who can't afford to support my show with money. But there are a lot of people who can. And if you can and you like the show, you should support it. That's what free markets look like. The people running this scam, they have unlimited funding. I don't have support of that system. In fact, I get harassed because I tell people the truth that they don't want the people to know. So we have to stick together. So go sign up. Now let's get back to the show. That's why that Jones Plantation movie that's out now is so good. I'm so happy to have been a part of it. It really explains it. Just because you get to choose your master doesn't mean you're free. <laughs> Everything stays the same. They just change the words and brainwash people about the fantastic freedom machine here. But there is no freedom machine here. They locked you down. They destroyed all your business. They make you wear masks. They make you take a shot. They make you pay for all of it. They run any amount of debt they want. How is any of this work? How does any of this make any sense with freedom and consent? It's, consent is no part of the government here. None. <laughs> it's so crazy to me. Okay, now he's going to start giving some of these quotations from uh, some of these legal tender cases. And they're really, really powerful on sovereignty. They show the contempt the court has for you as people and how it sees the government as this holy thing that's been set up that you just have to obey. And of course, they love this because they're sitting there as the arbiter, this oracle, to decide what the government can and can't do. Well, what do you think they're going to do? You think they're going to limit the government? Of course not, because they are the government. So the government is this fantastic, holy, powerful thing, and they wield a tremendous amount of power within it. And it's an utterly asinine imagining to think that a government that gets a stand in judgment of its own limitations is somehow limited. It's moronic. Let's read a little of this. That I may not be suspected of misrepresenting these men, I give some of their own words as follows. It is not doubted that the power to establish a standard of value by which all other values may be measured, or, in other words, to determine what shall be lawful money in a legal tender, is in its nature and of necessity a governmental power. It is in all countries exercised by the government. And it cites Hepburn v. Griswold. I mean, it's pretty clear, right? This is what it is. That's just courts just making it clear that they're not pointing to anything in the Constitution. They're just saying you just have to have it. Why? Because all governments have it. The same reasoning they gave for conscription. Well, that's not the way our government works. But if you're in law school, even if you're a lawyer and you don't read these cases anyway, but if you did, you would read these opinions. And you would read this kind of language and then you would believe that this is actually the law because you're told this is the law and you're tested on this. Let's continue. The court call a power, 
And now another quote. To make treasury notes a legal tender for the payment of all debts, private as well as public, a power confessedly possessed by every independent sovereignty other than the United States, citing the legal tender case of Wallace. Also in this case, it speaks of that general power over the currency, which has always been an acknowledged attribute of sovereignty in every other civilized nation than our own. (laughs) Same citation. And when I read the dissent, or a large part of the dissent, which I will do next time, you'll see how the dissent simply calls all this out as complete and total bullshit. And of course, if you just had one or two other people switching, the dissent would have been the law. But of course, they'd never stop. They just keep coming back and back and back. Like I said, they packed the court, they reversed it within a year, and got the legal tender laws approved. So the government's never going to stop. It's going to keep going until it has these powers. But this sounds like, wow, it's pretty impressive, right? That general power over the currency, which has always been an acknowledged attribute of sovereignty in every other civilized nation than our own. Okay, well, obviously we must have it, right? That's what you come away thinking. But none of that's true. See, none of that's true. And the dissent just completely destroys it, just like Spooner destroys it. Let's continue. In this same case, by way of asserting the power of Congress to do any dishonest thing that any so-called sovereign government ever did, the court says, Has anyone in good faith avowed his belief that even a law debasing the current coin by increasing the alloy and then making these debased coins a legal tender and payment of debts previously contracted would be taking private property? It might be impolitic and unjust, but could its constitutionality be doubted? (laughs) Yeah, it could be doubted. Of course it could be doubted. The idea that you just take shit, change the amount, and then force people to take it. Of course that's not constitutional. There's absolutely nothing in the Constitution pointing to it. But they act like, well, could anyone doubt it? Yeah, they do doubt it. The dissent doubts it. All sorts of people doubt it. What do you mean? But this kind of quotation will then be used over and over and over again to show you that it's well settled. It's established. This is clear, constitutional, blah, blah, blah. You cite this kind of thing in your appellate case or in your district court case if anyone attempts to try to challenge this, and you get poured out. The district court reads that, and it's over. (laughs) Because this is the way the system's set up. Let's read a few more. In the same case, Bradley said, as a government, it, the government of the United States, was invested with all the attributes of sovereignty. Um, there's absolutely nothing in the Constitution saying the word sovereignty, that the government is now sovereign. Nothing. But here it is, this incredible implied power. Why have a government that's supposedly only express and limited based upon whatever they were given, and then have a statement like this? It was invested with all the attributes of sovereignty. Well, <laughs> I, I, well, I don't understand. The Constitution makes no sense. And this is the problem constitutional conservatives have. Their shit makes no sense. Continue. Also, he said, such being the character of the general government. We don't have a general government. That's the exact wrong thing. We have a limited express government. That's what we have. So automatically it's incorrect. And the only reason it's not pointed out is because The Supreme Court doesn't have anybody that comes and grades their paper, only the dissents, and that's why I want to read one. (laughs) Such being the character of the general government, it seems to be a self-evident proposition that it is invested with all those inherent and implied powers, which, at the time of adopting the Constitution, were generally considered to belong to every government as such and as being essential to the exercise of its functions. (laughs) 
<laughs> Again, with the implied and you have to be and no pointing to the Constitution, and you're going to see how outrageous these statements are when I do the dissent. Also, he said, Another proposition equally clear is that at the time the Constitution was adopted, it was, and for a long time had been, the practice of most, if not all, civilized governments to employ the public credit as a means of anticipating the national revenues for the purpose of enabling them to exercise their governmental functions. Okay, so this is Spooner's point, that pointing to these kings and what they did is irrelevant. We had a revolution. The people are supposedly in charge. It's a limited express government. The document says what the government can do, and in fact, the government was specifically not given this power, and yet the Supreme Court, through this ridiculous, jigged-up decision, just claims the power, says it's so obvious, exactly the same way they did with conscription, exactly the same way they did. Oliver Wendell Holmes says, three generations of imbeciles, enough. And they approved of state-sponsored sterilization of people against their will. (laughs) Found that to be constitutional as well. So it's just endless people. The Supreme Court upheld the imprisonment of the Japanese during World War II. They upheld all these stupid uh, restrictions. They're not on your side. They're all together. It's this fantasy that you have checks and balances to so-called keep the government in check is nonsense. The checks and balances are to make sure that the people can never have any legitimate say and stop the government from doing anything. That's what they're actually there to do. And anyone who wants to read about it needs to read Calhoun's essay, Disquisition on Government, written in the early 19th century. Of course, since he was a slave owner, oh my God, nothing he says has any validity. But anyone who wants to read about the real way the government was kept in check should read that little essay. (laughs) It's very difficult to get through because the writing style is really, really formal and horrible and old. But his ideas are dead on. All right, let's read a few more of these examples he's pulling out to prove that the court is a fucking criminal piece of crap the way it operates. And it's corrupt as hell. And the stuff it says is outrageous. Also, he said, it is our duty to construe the instrument, the Constitution, by its words, in the light of history, of their general nature of government, and the incidence of sovereignty. Really? Well, do they have some instruction to do that? They have some instruction to do this, to give the government these broad powers? Why? Why make it a limited government? What do you mean it's their duty? Where does it say that's their duty? Why isn't it their duty to give it the most narrow interpretation? Why isn't that the duty? See? But now this kind of quotation will be used in a thousand other ways to justify and prove that it's constitutionally permissible and demanded that the courts do this. I mean, this is the way the system actually works, people. Also, he said, the government simply demands that its credit shall be accepted and received by public and private creditors during the pending exigency. Every government has a right to demand this when its existence is at stake. (laughs) How much did Spooner already blow this up? Any government that has to live based upon keeping its own people in prison and taking them into debt and killing them is exactly the kind of government that should not survive. But this is the kind of thing that goes on, as though government itself has the absolute right to live on to the extent that it takes anything it needs from the people. It's moronic. How can a government be created by the people and then a government exists like this? It makes no sense. Also, he said, 
These views are exhibited for the purpose of showing that it, the power to make its notes a legal tender and payment of private debts, is one of those vital and essential powers inhering in every national sovereignty and necessary to its self-preservation. Well, where does the government get a right to fleece its own people in order to survive? Where? Where is that? In still another legal tender case, the court said the people of the United States, by a constitution, established a national government with a sovereign powers, legislative, executive, and judicial. It did? Well, how come they don't say that in the document? How come this isn't explained in the document? How come, in fact, the document makes it clear that that's not what's going on, that the government only has limited express powers? Why? Well, because these people are allowed to say anything they want, just like Joe Biden or the press secretary or any other politician who gets up there and says shit and it's not true and you can't do anything about it. That's why. That's how it works. Also, it calls the Constitution a constitution, establishing a form of government, declaring fundamental principles and creating a national sovereignty intended to endure for ages. (laughs) So what? So what? That doesn't affect anything we've been saying throughout this entire show. Nothing. Anybody can read the document and see it. The only reason it's not understood is because people are brainwashed. And believe me, the dissent in the Juilliard case make it clear that this is all utter horseshit. And tons of people knew it at the time. Not just Spooner. Let's read a little more. Also, the court speaks of the governments of the United States as a sovereign government. Page 446. Citation the Also, it said, it appears to us to follow as a logical and necessary consequence that Congress has the power to issue the obligations of the United States in such form and to impress upon them such qualities as currency for the purchase of merchandise and the payment of debts as accord with the usage of other sovereign governments. Well, why aren't they actually just required to do what's in the Constitution? That's all they're enabled to do. The power as incident to the power of borrowing money and issuing bills or notes for the government for money borrowed, of impressing upon those bills or notes the quality of being a legal tender for the payment of private debts, was a power universally understood to belong to sovereignty in Europe and America at the time of the framing and adoption of the Constitution of the United States. Well, if it was universally understood, then why is it that it was discussed and rejected at the convention and that there's no mention of it anywhere? Or why wasn't it simply expressly stated since a limited document? This is all shit. This is what they say. And this is the kind of thing that gets quoted. This is what you would read if you were in law school. It's just crap, people. The governments of Europe, acting through the monarch or the legislature according to the distribution of powers under their respective constitutions, had and have a sovereign power of issuing paper money as a stamping coin. Okay, well, they may have that. We don't. It's not relevant. We didn't give that to the government. This power has been distinctly recognized in an important modern case, ably argued and fully considered, in which the Emperor of Austria, as King of Hungary, obtained from the English Court of Chancery an injunction against the issue in England without his license of notes purporting to be public paper of Hungary. (laughs) Think how outrageous and insulting that is for the court to cite something like that. Some shit going on with some king over there arguing with some other fucking crooked government that therefore our people fought a revolutionary war and gave the government this power. And that the constitutional conservatives never bring any of this up. This is why they're such problems. This is why they take all the people we need who want freedom and they completely drive them into ditches and confuse the shit out of them. Let's read a little bit more. Also, it speaks of Congress as the legislature of a sovereign nation. 
It also said the power to make the notes of the government a legal tender and payment of private debts being one of the powers belonging to sovereignty and other civilized nations. We are irresistibly impelled to the conclusion that the impressing upon the Treasury notes of the United States the quality of being a legal tender and payment of private debts is an appropriate means, conducive and plainly adopted to the execution of the undoubted powers of Congress consistent with the letter and spirit of the Constitution. <laughs> you see how they completely avoid referencing any actual language in the Constitution? That it's just obvious and has to and irrepressible and clear and... <laughs> and the... The dissent completely blows this up. The dissent just totally and completely blows this up. He goes on and starts discussing these issues of sovereignty. And so we're going to stop there, and then I'm going to next time read you that significant portion of the dissent. And I may or may not start reading some more Spooner at that point, but it's a lot of the dissent, and I think it's important to hear it because now you've heard these excerpts from these cases that make it seem like, well, it's such a slam dunk case, obviously, for legal tender. And that's always the case in the law. It's easy to make a case. And then when the defense steps up, it blows the case up that was just made. And these guys never have that happen to them because all that will happen from here forward is these citations and quotes are pulled out and repeated again and again as though they are so-called constitutional law and the dissents are ignored from thereafter. And this is how it works. You build these little things over and over and over, over 240 years, and you get the problems we have. Then you take over to law schools like they did in the early 20th century, and you brainwash people with case law, and then you make everybody dependent upon this system in order to even get licensed and to make a living as it, and, and you can't allow anybody else to come in, and the system runs on, and then you have all the people writing the books and the pushing the books and the media in the last 70, 80 years, and the people are totally and completely confused and brainwashed. And that's the reality. That is what actually happens. I just think that's a really great portion of that section in Spooner's essay that just shows the arrogance, the unbelievable, unchecked arrogance of the court. And to believe that you live in a free country, after all the different quotations that I've given out of Spooner's essay here, and you've heard from me about what the court says and does... It's just a fantasy, and anybody who listens to my shows understands that the constitutional conservatives and media and academia are doing an incredible amount of damage, and they're horrible, horrible, horrible traitors to freedom. Whether they know it or not is irrelevant to me. I don't care. They are knaves and dupes, and that's all. And nothing they say is legitimate about the Constitution or the powers of the court or any of this other shit. And I just absolutely detest those people. I really detest those people because they won't listen to reason. They're so arrogant. Just so arrogant. At least I was confused for years and years and years. But when I got the Internet and I started seeing these other thoughts, I was like, wow, I was so badly fooled. I was obviously fooled. And I was no problem accepting the fact that I'd been tricked and fooled. It's difficult. It's painful. But <laughs> it can't be any more obvious that I'd been fooled when I was reading. It's like, well, their shit makes sense and the other stuff doesn't make sense. And I just didn't ever see that I wasn't making sense. But that's not the way most constitutional conservatives are. They push back so hard. They try to act like you know nothing. And if you try to call into radio stations, so they just shut you down. Call you a crank and you don't know. And read the Constitution, the Federalist Papers, and Madison's Notes. Try to bamboozle everybody with this nonsense. That's the reality. That is the reality, people. So that's it. I'm going to stop there for today. 
I think that's a pretty good length. It's difficult sometimes to decide how to do this essay because there's so much in there. And really, it could take, you know, weeks and weeks to do the essay, even if I was just doing show after show, because there's so many side issues that could be discussed and flushed out. And I'm trying to do some of them, but I want to also keep it such that the essay is somewhat intact if you listen to all of them in order on the essay. So, so that's all I want to say about that at this point. And I want to thank the people in Patreon who support my show. I really appreciate you guys. You have a lot of integrity to kick some skin in the game for all the stuff I tell people. And I've certainly given you an education that's so incredibly valuable compared to the cost. And I know you guys see that, and I appreciate that you respect that and chip in. And the movie, Jones Plantation, is out, and I hope people go buy it, jonesplantationfilm.com. movie's great. We have a screening in Dallas. People seem to really like it. It's great on the big screen, but the problem is that those screenings are a pain in the butt to set up. They're not very cost-effective. And I hope people support the project by buying the merchandise and the uh, movie and telling people about it because the only way it's going to work is if people spread the word. So thank you to anybody who supports that project. And if you want to follow me on Twitter, you can. I'm Legal Man at U.S. Crime Review to the extent I stay on there and do stuff. They do a lot of suppression in my account, and so it's not really much fun ever since Elon Musk took over and especially since Yaccarino's come in. It's just gone downhill so badly, so, so badly. And beyond that, I don't think there's anything else to say. So I'm going to go ahead and wrap it up. You guys have been a great audience as usual. Everybody have a nice night or day, wherever you are. Take care. Thank you, everybody. Let's put your hands together one more time for Legal Man. Great show. Thanks so much. Get the ticker service on the way out. More quash. More quash.